0: Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at hllivingloco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com today. On tonight's episode, we will be continuing our greatest goal scorers across multiple sports review, but before then, I did want to talk about a more serious matter that's recently come up over the past 24 hours. And it's frankly an issue that I didn't hear about when it first came out, and it did actually come out some time ago when the draft occurred, but I I really wasn't aware of it because, again, I didn't really pay that much attention to this year's draft overall. I was mostly invested in Winnipeg's picks, a few little prospects that I thought the Jets may have a chance at, and, of course, you know, the rest of the narratives and stuff, I wasn't as hyped or, or keen to follow as much. This story, though, is a major one for a lot of reasons, and, of course, this one is, in fact, the Arizona Coyotes drafting Mitch Miller. If you have yet to hear the story, basically, Mitch Miller was, I believe, a first-round draft pick this year, and Miller is a UND commit, so he'll be playing NCAA hockey pretty soon, or at least that was the plan. It then came out that Miller had actually been arrested for bullying a young, black, handicapped student and that he had been doing so for many years, as recently as just a couple of years ago. I think his case went to court, and he was around 14 at the time of the incident. And I'm not 100% sure what the final verdict was, but when you look at some of the deposition documents, apparently the judge basically said this kid wasn't remorseful at all. He has never formally made an apology to the victim, Isaiah meyer Crothers, but instead apologized to NHL teams, which for me says that he actually doesn't really feel regretful for what he's done. The only thing is that he regrets having gotten caught for it. When you are somebody who commits an atrocious act, and I'm not really going to describe it in detail, you can look up the details yourself. It's pretty horrific what he did over several years. But when you do this kind of stuff, and one of your supposedly remorseful actions is to apologize to NHL teams that are going to draft you, I feel like you basically have no actual remorse for your actions. You just want to show that, in fact, you feel you deserve a spot on an NHL team and that your former actions shouldn't really have an impact on your current standing in the draft. And looking into the situation deeper, I feel like the NHL you know, obviously has a real situation on its hands because they knew about this whole thing. I think a lot of people in the media certainly did. The Arizona Coyotes knew about it, and yet they still went ahead and drafted this kid. And, you know, when UND was asked about this particular player, they basically said, you know, we feel that we can rehab him and that we are the right place to offer him a chance. But here's the craziest thing. He basically hasn't had any of the consequences that you would get from having like a hate crime on your record. I don't care that he was 14 years old. When I was 14 years old, I wasn't bullying and harassing people, especially those of a different race or ethnicity, and doing it for the span of multiple years. It's just absolutely baffling to me that this is the situation we find ourselves in. Miller's not somebody who, you know, made a mistake once. He did this repeatedly for years. He psychologically tortured and hurt his classmate, Isaiah. I'm just mystified as to how this whole story, A, basically went under the radar for the most part, and B, was allowed to go under the radar when so many people appeared to have known about this. This story did come out at some point earlier, but I think it got lost in the shuffle. What's just really bothering me is that, you know, this kid gets charged for what amounts to a hate crime, and, you know, he basically gets a full ride scholarship to UND, Rather than the action that he deserves, which is to not be signed to a hockey team, not be drafted by an NHL team, and basically not get away scot-free with any of the consequences of what should usually follow something this heinous. We've seen people who are like extremists and white nationalists doing similar stuff and actually going to prison for it. I just, I, I know a lot of people said, well, you know, you can't just cancel him already, but first off, I hate this phrase because canceling implies that there can't be consequences for actions, but that's not what it is. Canceling, obviously there are certain scenarios where I think people need to have more of an open dialogue and discuss matters, but this is not one of them. I hate that whole cancel culture label because I feel like people just want to admit that they don't like consequences, and that tends to be what happens. If Miller were actually genuinely remorseful for his actions, I I think that there is a place for him to rehab his character, work on himself, atone for what he's done, and really help to become an advocate for anti-racism. But we've seen none of that from this kid and from all you know intents and purposes, we've we've heard basically that he's not apologetic for anything. And for the most part his actions seem to suggest that. I don't know what UND was thinking in, you know, having him become a commit and also offering him a full scholarship, but to me it just speaks to the deep racism problem that still exists in the NHL. The uh, Arizona Coyotes just recently bragged about having one of their senior leadership members join one of the anti-racism brigades within the NHL, but obviously that doesn't mean much now in the context of the fact that they just drafted a dude who basically committed a hate crime as a kid. The NHL wants to be supposedly anti-racist and have these inclusive campaigns, but Their actions just continue to speak volumes about where they actually are, especially mentally regarding this stuff. They're so far behind the curve. You know, everyone says, ah, we we don't really want to see BLM content in NBA games, or we don't like seeing players kneeling in the NFL. So, uh, riddle me this, what do you do when you have a student who committed a, a hate crime, a crime of actual racism, against a young black kid? Tell me what we're supposed to do with that. Are we supposed to just sit back and give this kid a chance? Absolutely not. There have to be actual consequences for what he's done. I'm often tired of this whole situation where we find ourselves running around in circles saying, oh, we have to give this kid a chance or this kid should have a second opportunity to prove himself. He did it as a teenager. We have young kids of color going to juvenile detention for lesser crimes. Every day we have people incarcerated for very petty crimes, like marijuana possession and stuff. This is far worse, and yet it just seems like this kid, Mitch Miller, is going to get away with it, or at least, you know, for now is. I don't know if he's actually going to get away with it or if they're going to rescind the offer, but look, you know, I just, I don't understand how the NHL can, can walk away from this and think that this is an okay situation. I think it reflects poorly on just about everyone involved. And I I try not to get too political on this podcast. I know that a lot of folks follow this for the Winnipeg Jets hockey, but this is a situation that we just can't turn our eyes from. You know, we just watched a police officer kneel on George Floyd's neck and suffocate him to death in, in broad daylight. And so for me, this is just yet another sign that the NHL has so far to go in understanding the implications of what happened what they publicly said in terms of, you know, Black Lives Matter and anti-racism, and how they continue to operate. I mean, the NHL is so far behind everyone else, and it's not like the rest of the leagues are all that great at it either. The NBA might be one of the few that's actually on top of things, but that's because it's the players driving it, not the league. The players are the ones who have often been, you know, leaders and, and champions of social change. Pro sports just doesn't seem to want to take a side on these things, and it's going to hurt them at some point. We're going to see more situations like Mitch Miller getting drafted, and it's going to continue to to really show just how decrepit the underbelly of, of pro sports and, you know, a lot of these junior sports and stuff continues to be. We've been talking over and over again about how racism continues to infiltrate pro hockey, junior hockey, college hockey. It seems to be everywhere. It feels like a century ago, but I think Bill Peters was fired earlier this year when it came out that he used a racial slur. I mean, that's how fresh this stuff is. It just happened this year and yet it feels like it's been ages since then because so much has happened in 2020. I I don't know what has to happen for this all to change, but I, I definitely think you start have to pulling stuff out by the roots because this is completely unacceptable. Heads should roll in Arizona for this happening. And frankly, the Yotes need to do something serious, especially with the upper management team. They are all complicit in this in some capacity, and they deserve to lose their jobs for this. There's a real newsflash, and it's that consequences exist. It'd be nice if maybe once in a while people actually felt them for once. Obviously, this whole situation has made me very upset. I'm, I'm very angry about what's happened. Um, I'm going to cut my diatribe off a little bit here because I know that if I just continue ranting, it's going to continue on forever. But I encourage you to go look up the details on this case, continue to speak out against racism, especially as it pertains to pro hockey and, and junior hockey, and continue to reflect on what we need to do as a society to get better because this stuff just can't keep happening. And I, I say that every time and yet it still happens. We still haven't gotten from that part where we're, we're talking about things and helping to think about change to actually turning that into a reality. But as I said earlier, I'm going to pause my discussions on this particular moment. If you want to talk about it privately, you can feel free to reach me at my Twitter at HLLivingLoco or the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Jets, and I'm happy to discuss this situation in more detail. Up next, though, we will return to more hockey-related stuff, talking about some of the top goal scorers in pro sports, including football as well. We've covered a couple of pro soccer players in our last episode. Before we get to our pro goal scorers, though, I did want to tell you a little bit about tonight's title sponsors at rockauto.com. When it comes to shopping for auto parts, especially when you're doing car maintenance, it can be hard to find the exact right place to find all the parts you need at the prices you want. Do you even know what you're looking for? Are you sure you're getting the best deal on the market? If you don't know the answer to either of these questions, then head on over to rockauto.com. The fine folks at rockauto.com have over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use website allows you to filter by all of the vehicle specifications you need and set a price range so you get the exact parts you're looking for at a price you can afford. Best of all, you can save anywhere from 20 to 50% off retail brick and mortar in-store pricing. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement for the one you drop that greasy taco on, rockauto.com is sure to have what you're looking for in stock. When you place an order, be sure to write locked on the neat how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. An amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today every day when we wake up, we face an insurmountable number of walls, whether it's feeling unmotivated, not really sure what we need to do to get going, or even trying to find the right breakfast food. I'm certainly not immune to any of these, and that's why I turn to Bilko to get me started. When I have walls to break down every morning, Bilko is there for me. Bilko comes in convenient one and a half ounce packages, so you can take it anywhere you need to go, whether you're going to the golfing range, going to work, or heck, skydiving out of a plane if you're into that kind of thing. It's the perfect all-natural, healthy alternative to the five-hour energy crash. You can pick up Bilko in three delicious flavors including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Every pouch comes fortified with collagen protein, beta alanine, B3, honey, a little bit of caffeine, B6, and B12. Bilko has everything you need to get your day started, to kick down those walls, and to keep kicking down walls all day. Getting started is super easy. Just visit bilko.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, don't forget, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at bilko.com. Let's go! Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are currently doing our review of NHL or non-NHL goal scorers, as well as some pro football players who are also phenomenal snipers in their own right. Last episode, we talked about some of the dynamic goal scorers that many of us have come to know and love, including Alexander Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Zlatan Ibrahimović, Patrick Laine, and more. Now, we're going to talk about an interesting player who I don't think gets as much recognition as the kind of goal scorer he is, but I feel like a guy like Connor Garland, for me, is a really fun player. Garland is one of those forwards that sort of exploded on the radar after almost complete anonymity. Part of that was because I believe he was, when he was drafted or signed, he was like an overager from junior, and then he went to, I believe, the AHL first, and then worked his way up to the NHL The only reason I actually knew about Garland at the time was because I saw him putting up pretty big AHL numbers, and of course I was looking for free agents to fill out my fantasy roster. Naturally, Idiot Me ended up letting him go as a free agent, and then, you know, of course a couple of of seasons later he ends up putting up tons of huge numbers in the NHL, especially for the kind of price tag that he comes with. The one thing that I have to say about Garland is that he's a really effective player. You don't find many guys who are just a really well-rounded, capable top-six skater, but that's kind of what Garland brings. He's got a really nice, well-rounded set of tools, including pretty decent edge work, a nice shot, good spatial awareness, an ability to kind of slip between defenders without really getting by them 100% in the way that somebody like McKinnon can, and so what he brings is kind of like a borderline elite toolset, but maybe not quite there, and Garland is definitely a guy who can put pretty serious numbers even without having the world's most elite toolsets. He was a goalscorer when he was younger, and he appears to be that again, but with some actual genuine play-driving ability. Connor is definitely a very pesky forward, and I feel like even though he's not quite the biggest guy, he just seems to play a much bigger game. He's got that right mixture of skill, speed, and a little bit of physicality to get himself into better spaces to get those nice shots off. I love me a good, slightly underdog story, and I feel like Garland perfectly falls into this category. Another player that, for me, has always been a little bit of an underdog and maybe a bit underappreciated is Andrei Burakovsky. And for me, Burakovsky, when he was a cap, was almost criminally underrated. Obviously, he did have some minor consistency issues, but it wasn't the kind of thing where I felt like it was holding him back from being a really dynamic offensive threat. Whenever he was on the ice, Washington seemingly had plenty of offensive zone possession, and he was especially good at working himself into really dangerous areas and finding teammates who also got to those same spots. Burakovsky is a very skilled two-way forward, or was when he was with Washington, and under the hood kind of had you know underlying numbers and scoring rates that seemed to suggest that. Since moving to Colorado, Burakovsky has almost become a very different player. Now he's kind of more of like a a pure finisher of sorts. Colorado is kind of a funky team. I feel like they sacrifice and cheat a little bit on their defensive coverages to spring really rapid counters and use their pace to try and overwhelm their opponents with speed and skill. For the most part, it kind of works. I mean, as long as they get around league average goaltending and pretty decent goal scoring from some of their top six players, I feel like Colorado has been able to do just fine. Burakovsky kind of fits that mold because he's a very skilled skater with a lot of good passing, really nice vision, and pretty good spatial awareness, so he knows where he needs Needs to be when he wants to capitalize on a scoring opportunity. He put a lot of them away during his first season with Colorado and I feel like he's only going to get better as time goes on. While his play driving ability has definitely declined as a result of switching systems and perhaps maybe just regressing a little bit, the trade-off is that he's become somewhere between a 25 and 30 goal scorer so I feel like you can't complain too much if he's around break even and on ice impacts and continues to score like 30 or so goals, and maybe 25 to 30 assists a season. Burakovsky is somebody I've always been rooting for and would hope eventually would break the league apart, but of course it didn't happen with Washington. It's not necessarily happening in the same way with Colorado, but it is cool to see him get some of the recognition he deserves. Speaking of recognizing players, up next we'll talk about a couple of very accomplished footballers who maybe don't need that much of an introduction, but you might want to hear about what makes them so special at what they do. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Right now we are talking about some of my personal favorite hockey and football goal scorers. These are players who stand on the world stage and continue to deliver time and time again. And I think of all the football goal scorers I've seen, I have to say that above all of them, I think Lionel Messi for me continues to be one of the most astounding. If you've seen like any footage, and I mean any footage of what Lionel Messi can do, you understand what makes him special. But I think that there's a little bit of an element to his game that maybe people don't talk about as much. People often talk about players who have their, I guess, you know, pucks or balls on like a string, right? You know, you talk about a guy like McDavid who can manipulate the puck in ways that just doesn't seem human or even possible. Messi, though, didn't really have the ball on a string. What he does is almost entirely different. I feel like he has an unbelievable understanding of his own physical presence, where the ball is and where his opponents are as they try to defend him. Using extraordinary cunning, a little bit of deception or well actually a lot of bit of deception, some unbelievable dribbling, incredible I guess body coordination and frankly just a higher level of football IQ than anyone else possesses, Messi can actually manipulate space Time and the ball in a way that suits him to attack an opposing defender one-on-one He doesn't necessarily stop time But he forces time to slow down to his tempo in the way that he Forces an opposing defender to match his speed and try to read him which is almost impossible The only way to prevent Messi getting by you is to either foul him or just hope that he misses and doesn't quite get his playoff Despite you know Messi being in his 30s now and definitely advancing in age and in terms of health injuries quite a few more He has still contributed on about half of Barcelona's offense. I mean, that's just crazy for a guy who is probably nearing retirement. Many have hailed Messi as the greatest footballer of all time, and I don't think that that is premature. I think the way that he creates space and forces space to adapt to him is something truly extraordinary to watch. His footwork, his presence his mind, all of these things combine to make him one of the most feared goal scorers and truly one of the most special forwards of any sport that I've ever gotten to watch. Another player who maybe doesn't quite have the same level of, of I guess, technical skill or or football IQ but still has an unbelievable approach to goal scoring for me is, is Liverpool's Mohamed Salah. Salah just seems to have a really cool tool set with a lot of direct speed, a ridiculous left foot, and almost a fearless approach to goal scoring. He just doesn't shy away from taking on impossible shooting angles and getting into spaces where you couldn't imagine somebody curling like a 25-yard shot from distance out, and yet Salah is capable of easily doing it time and time again. Salah certainly scores quite a few goals from up close and inside the box because, you know, he is a forward who understands that that's where the majority of your most dangerous chances are going to come from, but he also possesses the tools and skill sets to take shots from distance that you wouldn't imagine could go in but still do. He's scored goals from below the goal line, he's curled them from unbelievable distances to go top corner, and he's also just as comfortable taking advantage of chaos and potting one in close. That he has such unrelenting pace and skill to cut inside, along with his really strong agility, just makes Makes him one of the most complete wingers in the world. Salah is just a ball of offense, and I feel like whoever he signs with next, whether it's you know somewhere in in Spain or if he just decides to remain in the Premier League, and even with Liverpool, I I feel he's just going to continue to carve out his legacy as one of the world's most accomplished goal-scoring wingers. He has a surprising level of simplicity to his game, despite the amount of technical finesse he has. It makes him a truly terrifying forward, that his game doesn't have to be complicated for him to just time and time again score goals. Watching he, Firmino, and Mane continue to just tear apart opposing defensive back lines is something to behold, especially with the way that Klopp likes to run that team. When that front three is finally broken up, I will say that we're going to witness the end of a really special era of Liverpool football. Even though I don't really care for Liverpool and don't, you know, especially love them, I do have to say that Mane, Firmino, and Salat together has been a treat to watch. You just really have to recognize greatness when you see it, and that is absolutely up there as some of the most exciting forwards I've gotten to see, especially as an attacking trio. With that, we are going to call it there with our goal scorer review. If you have any goal scorers you want me to review, let me know in the comments at HLLivingLoco or on our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Jets. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Evampado, as well as our Locked On colleagues around the league, including Dallas Stars, Tampa Bay Lightning, Locked on Kings, and more, for all the off-season coverage and news inquisitive minds could possibly desire. As always, thanks so much for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!